Blog Talk Radio. Lucky Mojo Voodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Doc Murphy of rootdocmurphy.com in Tejanistan, Minnesota. And in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week we will be joined by a special guest, Ramona Scott of Ramona Speaks the Other Truth in Houston, Texas, bringing us today's topic of spirituality in this time of crisis. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of voodoo, conjure, or root work as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Man. Miss Cat? Hi. Thank you, Doc Murphy, for announcing the show for us. Um... Well, first of all, I want to know how things are going in your world. Uh, I'm paying close attention to the topic this week because things are a little insane. Um, as some of you know, I work at a COVID testing site, and we had a, a bizarre week where I had a Karen get up in my face. We had another of our administrators uh, struck by a client and had mm. to be escorted out. Um, people are kind of losing their minds, and we're not quite sure what to do about it. So... I'm here for some root work advice myself. Wow. You had a Karen. Pretty intense. Uh-oh. I hear some talking on the line. I hear some... Who's there? I hear some talking on the line. Can Nagashiva handle that? Good. Sound and background, that's what he said. And... um Well, you know, I've been reading a lot about uh, the COVID stuff, and... um there have been a couple of interesting news items that passed my desk this morning. There's no gas in the gas stations in Great Britain because there are no truck drivers anymore. This goes along with last week's announcement about no school bus drivers in the United States. Mm-hmm. Pretty strange. People just don't want to go to work anymore. Um, and um, it's very, very odd. And I just, I mean, I look mm-hmm. at that and I go, um, oh, news item number two, the port of New York is clogged with ships because no one wants to be a dock worker anymore. What yep. do you say about I've been noticing like uh, can- cancellations on my public uh, transit route because they don't have enough public transit drivers to complete the route mm-hmm. either. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something really odd. And I will put the... the um, a great thank you for you to being at a COVID testing site in the middle of all of this. What a what a labor of uh, 
uh, conscience and heart, that is, Mm -hmm. (laughs) putting yourself on the front lines. I just got the notification that in my county, I'm now eligible for a booster shot. However, when I contacted my primary care provider, they're all booked up. (laughs) So here, here we go again down the COVID path. And now with added mercury retrograde. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Woohoo. Well, I've been working myself this week. Um, I think I've mentioned the 50,000 business cards in the wilderness, the growing that I got from the Craig Shergold horde of all the people who wished poor child Craig Shergold well. And uh, by sending him get well cards, which got mistakenly translated into business cards by somebody along the way, and so he ended up with 50 million business cards, which he didn't need because all he wanted was get well cards, and yes, he did get well. But I'm um, sorting the last 50,000 of the 50 million because the guy who started sorting the 50 million finally has given up. He just can't do it anymore, and he's been doing it since 1993. So I've been finding all kinds of interesting psychic readers and um, teacup fortune tellers. And also I've been finding an awful lot of cards that on the back of them have these wonderful little messages to people, uh, from people rather, to Craig Shergold, the child with the brain tumor who occasioned all of this card giving. And my favorite so far is Ramon L. Sanchez, MD, professor of pathology and dermatology and surgical pathology at the University of Texas Medical Branch at Galveston. And on the back of his very official card, he he wrote, with my best wishes, R.L. Sanchez. So he took the time to send this little boy a card of his, of his and, and put his wishes on it. And I also have another one that's quite charming, which um, is a, it's just a card of a, a just a businessman, and it says, may the Lord be with you. So I thought that was kind of nice. The person who said that was an insurance agent named Gary Griffin, uh, vice president of Amco Insurance of College Station, Texas. These Texas people knew how to send the boy a prayer. The strange thing is, he eventually was cured of his brain tumor in a hospital in Texas. Isn't that interesting? So spirituality has mm. um, been much on my mind working on these cards. And I've been doing my Patreon stuff. I sent out a wonderful, I thought, a wonderful assortment of beautiful <laughs> cards. Well, I didn't have to do the art, man. I can say it's wonderful. They, these cards were painted and, and engraved and uh, chromolithographed in 1909, and they're just like stupendous E-Nash cards on Floriography or the language of flowers, the meaning of flowers. And they're just beautiful. And Nagashiva scanned them and I wrote about them. So that's what I've been doing this week. How about you, Conjure Man? I know you, you, you've you had a busy week as usual. What have you been up to? Oh, it's certainly, it's been busy. Uh, we're gearing up also for, for Mercury and Retrograde for the next few weeks. Um, it's a, October is bound to be a very interesting month. Because as Mercury is retrograding, we're actually going to see also two other planets come out of retrograde. Jupiter is coming out of retrograde roughly around the same. I think Saturn is also, if I'm not mistaken. I have to double check. But, yeah, so it's, it, this is a month 
that is going to be interesting. And September was already a hectic and busy <laughs> month as it was. So uh, I am I'm I'm kind of watching the trends and watching things go in in very bizarre and weird directions and realizing that 2021 is as funky, if not as more funky than 2020 was, in different ways, right? In very different ways. But, um, you know, we're living in a time period where people are flipping out because they have to wear a little piece of cloth over their mouth. <laughs> so it's been, it has been a bizarre thing to behold uh, while still trying to maintain some semblance of normalcy. I have been continuing the, the, so, the sort of summer of love has continued. A lot of the clients that have been coming towards me have all been really about love work and they've been asking about relationship matters and whatnot. Uh, we had some fantastic readings at the festival. And so I have opened up my readings. I only have one slot available, unfortunately, uh, due to peer pressure. I opened up my slots, but they all went out in the past couple days. So there's only one slot left for end of October. I think it's October 26th or something or 28th. Um, One slot for a reading available for a natal reading. And I think that might be, I'm all booked for the rest of 2021, if I'm not mistaken. If something opens up, I'll let people know. But there's only one slot left. It went by literally in a matter of six hours. I opened up a couple and the the entire thing got booked out. So I only have one left. Well, you're much in demand. I That reminds me, I'm going to make an, a little quick announcement. I'm expanding my Hoodoo Psychics hours, and mm. I am doing so at the expense of my air hours, but not much. I'm knocking off one of my readings on Fridays that are booked through air, and that's the 15-minute reading. Mm. I'm bumping everything back. I'm changing my hours. So instead of 1, 2.30, and 3.30, I'll be doing air readings at 1 and 2.15. Instead of having a half-hour bumper, I'll just have a 15-minute bumper for lunch. And then I won't do that at 3.30. I'll be on air. Excuse me. <laughs> said that wrong. I'll be on Hoodoo Psychics mm. starting at 3. And so... That's going to be um, interesting. I'll be on from 3 to 7. So I'll be doing the evening shift <clears throat> at Hoodoo Psychics on a Friday. And that starts on October 22nd. So if you can't find that you cannot book me on Friday for slot number 3, and you always like that slot, I'm sorry. You can still book me on Wednesday and Thursday for slot number 3. But I'm going to be going to Hoodoo Psychics on a regular basis in the evening. And why, you may ask. I did the math to see which one earned me the most money. They actually earn about the same, whether I'm on Hoodoo Psychics, which charges a little more, but it runs this whole big system, or Air, which charges less, but I always end up running over and and, um, doing too much work for the amount of money I get. They both work out to the same amount of money per hour for me. What's the difference? When I'm on Hoodoo Psychics, I can sort the 50,000 business cards while waiting for calls. I know. Mm. That, was met with, that was met with dead silence. Because no, if I try to, it clicked now. <laughs> you know, if I try to write, you know, you're in the middle of a paragraph and, and oh, my God, now it's 1 o'clock, i got to go. You know, it's just so frustrating. So, yes. But if the phone rings and you've got a handful of business cards, you just 
put them down, and you pick up the tarot cards. (laughs) And it so happens that I use the tarot cards that are the Rider Waite mini deck, same size as a business card. And last night, your hands are already prepared. Yeah, yeah. Last night I was just ready to put everything up, and um, I went, "Where are my tarot cards? Where are my tarot cards?" Because all I could, I had put my business cards on top of my tarot cards. (laughs) Anyway, so that's my announcement, October 22nd, and I'll remind people about it again as we come up on the time. But it's been fun uh, reading on Hoodoo Psychics and giving me a little bit of extra breathing room. All right, well, I think that's it for news. Let's get to our guest, and our guest is Ramona. Ramona Scott of Ramona Speaks the Other Truth, which is a wonderful radio show and I hope that um, Nagashiva will um, put the URL for her show out uh, because I've been a guest on Ramona's show a number of times. Ramona's been on our show here, and um, we've got a real nice thing going on. So, yes, we do. Yeah, welcome to the show, Ramona. <clears throat> How Hello. have you been doing? Welcome, Hello. welcome. <clears throat> Hello, everyone, and thank you for having me back again. As you know, I'm Ramona Scott of Ramona Speaks the Other Truth, a.k.a. Sadihara under my pen name. And Catherine also co-hosts with me on Hoodoo Mondays uh, once or twice a month, which uh, we discuss all things hoodoo uh, from this very learned woman by the name of Catherine Ironwood. And I am working towards bringing together those in our esoteric and spiritual communities of diverse backgrounds and knowledge. Um, And that's going to be my main focus uh, in the coming year, I've decided. Um, This coming Saturday, I will be interviewing Perry Patry of the Global Pyramid um, Enterprise, and she does um, work and retreats, which she will be having one in India. Uh, I think it's in November. Uh, under the Golden Pyramid of India. And that is what I have been up to. Well, I always love your multicultural spiritualism. And um, you really bring a lot of knowledge. You call me knowledgeable, but you're a wise, wise woman yourself. And um, I've I've been very privileged to be on your show uh, when talking about hoodoo. So... Today, you're bringing us a topic, which is um, spirituality in the time of crisis. Well, we already know that nobody will go to work, but um, but there's also a question of what's happening to people's approach to spirituality during this extended, grinding, depressing, endless crisis. Um, How are we going to handle it? How does it... Uh, who handles it with spirituality, who does not, how mm. do we do it? So I'm going to just throw in a couple of ideas and then turn this over to you. Number one, we had seen um, statistically the loss of spirituality as a part of human society over the past 30 years. We all know that that's been happening. It's partially been happening because of <clears throat> malfeasances, and um, excesses Mm -hmm. of um, power misuse in various churches. And I'm not going to single out one church because it's all over the map. And um, from 
everyone to everyone else. That has been talked about and the dialogue heightened so much that many people feel that they were gulled or that they're stupid for going to a church or a temple or a synagogue or having anything to do with religion. And meanwhile, the atheistic, scientistic component of society has taken advantage of that to just drive the point home. And there's also been a lot of prejudice against certain religions based on what those people look like or who they worship, which also creates divisiveness. So spirituality is has been on a downswing. We know this. It's regrettable. It's harmful. It's painful. And meanwhile, we've just been hit with this giant, slow-rolling plague. Yeah. So um, that's the question. How do we combine our interest in spirituality with what's going on in the social, environmental, and um, economic crises that that are happening right now. So I'm going to turn this over to you. Okay. Well, you know, I'm putting out a call to the spiritual communities around the world. As you know, we are in difficult times. Whether you believe the events that are transpiring now is not important. What is important is that humanity, I say humanity, is going through a difficult period which oftentimes precedes the fall of a great civilization, if you you go back in history. And humanity will need us more than ever. And sickness, spiritual breakdowns are inevitable. We can see it evolving right this moment. Um, and we need to be prepared. I believe that we need to hone our skills, to take our studies seriously, to keep up our connection with our ancestors, which includes our dance circles. Yes, we all know and hear about the drum circles, but what mm-hmm. about the dance circles? That was crucial in hoodoo mm-hmm. practices and mm-hmm. our herbs. What about our herbs, and where can we obtain them? We, we know we can trust Catherine, you know, <laughs> but who else? What if mm-hmm. something happens to the mail services? How will we get our herbs we need for ourselves and our politics? Do you recognize plants by uh, sight in the wilderness, let's say? What about spells for protection? The slaves that were practicing... Um, who do use spells of protection to keep them safe from the cruelties of master? The descendants use spells of protection during Jim Crow at its worst. So mm-hmm. ask yourselves, what are we we doing to protect our people and ourselves? And when I say our people, I mean our human sisters and brothers, especially mm-hmm. now in this country with what we're facing and all the negative uh, things that are going on and happening right now and what is coming. Hoodoo and other spiritualist practices um, are about healing, healing and protection. Spirit is energy. We are energy. We are healers. We are protectors. 
And we are this country's other shamans, right along with the indigenous tribes. Shamans, Mm -hmm. we can treat and heal sickness with herbs, but not the spirit. We heal the spirit with energy. And you cannot do that without understanding how to transmute energy and understand what energy actually is and how it relates to you and me and the rest of humanity, the positive and the negative. And I I believe that we need to start focusing on on that as a community. Um, Shamanic transmutation is a powerful form of energy, healing, practiced by experienced, enlightened, and awakened shamans who have dedicated their lives to understanding themselves, understanding others, and understanding the nature of positive and negative energy in people's lives. The spirits are broken. And we need teachers, we need trainers who are serious and willing to put in the work. They are out there somewhere. You cannot Mm -hmm. do energy healing without the understanding of transmutation and alchemy. It is a superpower. It takes intensive study. We don't want to just become dabblers in these arts and practices. That is wasteful. We want to become become in spirit, mind, and body. And I I just, you know, what are your feelings on this, Kat? Well, you know, I've been um, transitioning my career somewhat from doing a lot of hands-on root work for people to doing more teaching. And this has been going on for Mm -hmm. a number of years. I think COVID kind of pushed it over the edge. And I find that teaching one person how to do a spell has a greater impact on the community than doing that spell for the person. I'm not saying I'll never do root work again, but COVID has been a crisis for me spiritually as well. Do I really want to go out there and, you know, make a mirror box and bury it in the graveyard for someone? Or do Mm -hmm. I want to teach 100 people, 200 people how to do it? And I think that that I'm at the place now to want to teach more, not because I'm bored with doing it, tired of doing it, weak or old, but just because I'm looking at, you know, a certain amount of life force and life energy. And I think it's time to pass these things to the succeeding generations. And I think you you, you know what I'm speaking of with this. The other thing that this crisis has really brought through to me, I used to allow myself to work for what I would call selfish narcissistic clients. And I have less patience with selfish narcissistic clients these days Mm -hmm. when I hear someone who really has been through a trial of the soul who has lost family members, who doesn't know whether to go back and care for an elderly parent or stay in a high-paying job because um, they're so frightened that the parent would get COVID if they go out and go shopping because it's an elderly person with health problems. And they, and then magnify that, that it's the mother and the mother lives in Japan. 
And now should mm. this woman leave Seattle and go to Japan to care for her mother? And I'm these are these are crises for people. And when someone then says to me, the next call I get is someone going, "Yes, I just want him to be ashamed of what he did, and then I want him to come back to me and love me again." And I'm like, "No, that's yeah. not the most important thing. I'm not trying exactly. to downgrade love issues, but I'm beginning to feel that part of my role has changed." And the clients whom I'm serving or who are seeking me out are those who are really in the midst of life-changing spiritual decisions. And I'm willing to step into that role of being a counselor and a mentor in this time of crisis. Maybe when it's over, I'll go back to, you know, telling them something else. But right now, this is what I seem to be doing. How about you, Conjurman? Yeah, I mean, we... I've talked about this before, but this is an inflection moment in in the history that we're living through. And one of two things are, are, is going to happen. One, in these moments of crisis, people turn more and more towards spirituality. We've seen this start mm-hmm. over the past 10 years, I would say. The past 10 years in particular have seen an uptick in spirituality. We've seen the revival of traditional astrology. We've seen a revival in interest in spiritual practices. We've seen a whole generation turn away from traditional forms of religion and find alternative religion, quote-unquote, right? Um, so we, we're, we're already in the middle of this. So there's, we're in these moments, you see an increase in interest in spirituality. But these inflection moments also harbor a great deal of danger, there are moments in which people can exploit that anxiety, people can exploit that fear, people can exploit that uh, anger towards more destructive ends. We see the rise of destructive populism. You see the rise in the kind of the chaos in right-wing populism in our political climate. So we are, we're kind of at that inflection point where we can make a decision to collectively move forward uh, as, as a species. We can look at this and go, we're living in a moment of climate catastrophe. And catastrophe is the right word for it. Economic mm-hmm. downturn and despair. Re- complete rethinking of our labor, relationship to labor and work, right? The entire mm-hmm. year from, from, from protests to, to strikes to all, all these things we're seeing happen. As spiritual workers, we are a part of that. There are times when we kind of lose track, when we're disconnected, when we view spirit as separate from the material. But our material conditions shape our spirituality, and our spirituality shape our material conditions. And this is where I think hoodoo practitioners, spirit workers, uh, sages, seers, prophets, whatever you want to call them, really have a role to play in the coming years. Are they going to orient themselves around community building? Are they going to orient themselves around healing Humanity? Are they going to dedicate themselves to healing the issue of the environment and climate? Or are they going to get lost in the mass consumerism that's also going to show up over the next few years? Are they going to get lost in the right-wing outrage or in the, uh, the, the, the populist language, in the fear, in the anxiety, in the conspiracy thinking, right? I mean, there is a very uncomfortable way in which conspiracy language overlaps with some of our spiritual community members. And seeing people who become, who use their spirituality to become anti-vaxxers, right? 
mm-hmm. or using their, their spirituality to justify all sorts of horrific, xenophobic, racist ideologies. So we are at that inflection moment, and those inflection moments are about asking the question of what do we want for them in the future, and how does our spirituality going to play in producing that future? Are we going to be shaped by those darker forces that are really at play right now, or are we going to rise to the occasion? And this is a question that I don't know what the answer is collectively, but I know where I stand personally. Uh, and hopefully that means that, that we'll see more and more people who are going to take their spirituality as not just a matter of, of personal faith, which is important, but also as a collective service, right? Mm-hmm. You, we've said on this show, you and I have, Kat, repeatedly have said this, you, especially when it comes to something like hoodoo, who are you serving? Who's, right. who's the community you were working with? This tradition comes out of a community. It doesn't come out of people just lighting candles to, to, to get back together with their ex. That's a small portion of it. That's only one bit mm-hmm. of it. There's just as much. I mean, think of, think of the hoodoo shop. We're talking about Lucky Mojo right here. Lucky Mojo comes mm-hmm. out of a very old tradition. Think of the pharmacies, Jewish pharmacies, in which the black community was the only place they could go to pick up their groceries, their hair products, and the oil that they were going to put on their candle. Think of what that right. meant. That meant being able to cross segregation lines. That meant being mm-hmm. able to find community in that inner city. That's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Yeah, of course there's a commercial element. Of course the pharmacy is selling a product, but this pharmacy is also at the center of the community. And that's mm-hmm. what we need to ask ourselves. If we get lost in the shingle, you know, putting up the shingle and we lose sight of the community, then our spirituality becomes a dead thing. That's right. That's right. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. I, I'm going to ask you a question, Ramona. In working with clients and in working with members of your audience of your radio show, have you found people more willing to turn to spirituality or less willing as this crisis has gone on? I think more willing. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I've been saying, too. More willing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a historical um, thing because when all when man fails you, where where do you go? What mm-hmm. do you have? And, and and that's the whole point. Um, when you rely only on man, your governments, uh, your uh, medical. Uh, avenues and they fail you where do you go and it's human you know nature. i'm gonna i'm gonna throw go in something else here there's been a there's been this thing in the news about this chinese real estate development company Evergrande, and they're failing and defaulting and blah blah the stock market mm-hmm. i don't care about the stock market i decided to go look at what kind of developments they did and hmm. these are what I call pieces of the Matrix. If you've ever seen the movie The Matrix, mm-hmm. it's just it's just these warehousing of protoplasm, you know, which is then used for energy. Actually, at this point, they can grow the plants and stuff in giant agricultural fields with automatic machinery, and the protoplasm just keeps on increasing, and increasing. And the problem why we're having this whole climate crisis is that of course every one of these cubicles filled with human beings has to be mm-hmm. supplied with running water power light heat air conditioning and all of these amenities 
And I realized I was talking to a, a woman. You know, she called me up for some root work counseling, and and she said, well, "What kind of a spell, blah blah?" Because she do. And I said, "Well, you could do this, and then you." Bring. And I actually, uh, Ali, I, I gave her one of your spells with the knives facing outward. Do you remember that one? Ah, uh, yes, I do. And yeah. It's one of your good ones. And uh, and I said so. The, and she goes, "Well, I'm on the you know seventieth floor," and I'm like, "Oh dear." Hmm. She's on the seventieth wow. floor. She can't even have potted plants in the hallway. That's those amenities are long gone. What's she gonna do? And I realized that hoodoo as I know it is also to a great deal rural. And this goes back to mm-hmm. what you were saying, Ramona, about where are you gonna get your herbs? Can you recognize herbs on site? Now I know that many of us can't and Custom Joshua is definitely, definitely carrying the baton for natural herbs. If you don't know Cousin Joshua, folks, he's in the chat right now. He posts the pictures of the plants he's growing, all of which are magically, medically, and otherwise active, and they're wonderful photos, and he's growing these plants and really keeping the southern tradition of an herb garden alive. Thank you so much, Cousin Joshua. But there are others who really come to hoodoo because they've reduced it all to a candle they can't um mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they don't even know i was talking to one lady and i was saying do you know what a, she needed to clear herself off from a man and i said do you know what a black walnut is she goes well i ought to i live in texas and i said oh great i said so go out and get yourself nine black walnuts they're falling right now it's just the right time collect nine black walnuts she goes oh i can't go out there i, I live in houston she had known walnuts when she was a child on the farm, yeah, but she didn't right. know walnuts now. And I said, well, I hate to say it, uh, Miss, uh, Miss So-and-so, but Lucky Mojo, we have a lot of black walnuts, and we sell them for you for $3.50 a pack for nine black walnuts. And she goes, oh, I'll get them from you then. And I'm thinking, Coles to Newcastle, you know, ice to Eskimos. I'm sending black walnuts <laughs> to someone in Texas. <laughs> yeah. But it was yeah. bad, that, you know. But then someone has that. to be that. Someone has to be that shaman. Someone has to be that person who does provide those things. Mm-hmm. That's my role, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. that I mean that's also also the key of why spirituality is so important. Spirituality is about reconnecting to the rhythm of your life. And that doesn't mean every single one of us have to be rural, right? That doesn't mean that a person living out in, in the rural areas is more spiritual than a person living in the urban centers. Hoodoo is just as urban as it is rural, too, right? We've seen it build in these cities. But there is a, there's a rhythm to our lives. There's a way that we are able to connect to something greater than us. If you have to sit there and go, I, I live in a place with black walnuts, but I don't know where these black walnuts are and I, I can't go out there to get those black walnuts, a disconnect has happened. Something has happened mm-hmm. to sever your connection to the rhythm of the natural world, to the rhythm of your own life, to the rhythm around you. And you're sitting there and you're going to go, okay, hold on a minute. And you see this sometimes too. It's like when people go, okay, I need you to go, where do I get salt from? What do you mean where do you get salt from? Where do I get black pepper from? Do I have to buy? No, no, it's just black pepper. Hold on a minute. Don't panic. What type of black pepper? Is it be, is it be ground? Is it be, oh, it's just black pepper. You don't need to freak out, right? And you see this sort of the disconnect that happens. And this is a result of, of seeing uh, magic as something to be consumed rather than as a spiritual worldview. 
And this happens a lot. A lot of people who are new to hoodoo sometimes talk about hoodoo as a sort of magical technique, but not as a spiritual practice. So people go, oh, well, I'm really, I'm a hermetic magician, but I do a little bit of hoodoo when I need to get something done. I know how to have oh, yeah. candles. It's just, it's just really effective. And you've heard this before. You see them show up on the, at the forum all the time, right? Oh, I'm actually a ceremonial magician, but if I need money, I know how to light a money candle. And you're going, you know, hoodoo is more than a recipe book. It's a spiritual tradition. It's part of a cultural practice. And being able to connect to the spiritual roots is the core of that spirituality, right? It helps you understand the world around you. It helps you make sense of your world, your experiences. But it also gives you the tools to address your world. It's not just a matter of like, oh, I'm going to light a candle. I'm going to get some money. It's also about, hey, this is how I connect to my ancestors. This is how I understand the people who have come before me, both in blood and in spiritual practice or in profession, right? This is the way in which I connect to my people. This is the we portion that, that, that is crucial to us as human beings. So spirituality is about connection. It's about relationship. And that relationship is with both the living and with the dead. It's not just about a recipe book. And that gets lost in the language sometimes. That gets lost, particularly, I think, in the, in the Internet discourse around hoodoo and culture. And so I always tell when clients ask me, like, what is, what is a really great way for me to start? And I go, work with your ancestors first. Before you light that candle, before you start asking for money and love and whatnot, you can ask for all those things. It's great. Work with your ancestors. Connect with them first. Build yeah. that, that relationship with the world that exists beyond your immediate one. Well, Absolutely. Dr. Sweets just, just posted something here. And I want to address this because it's an important question. Dr. Sweet says, hmm, sounds like a hoodoo transition course may, be, may need to be made for all of the substitutes for old supplies that are no longer readily available. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true, Dr. Sweets. Um, black walnuts are still out there growing, even if no one's paying attention to them. The... The point is that if you practice an earth tradition, whether it's the paganism of a Doc Murphy or the hoodoo folk magic of the African-American community, any uh, or the English-Irish weather lore, any of those things mm. that rely on a connection to nature, nature is still there. The problem right. the climate crisis has brought us and the COVID crisis as well is that we're becoming more and more disconnected. But those things yeah. are still out there. And I don't think that saying I'm going to do a book on how to substitute, um, oh, my gosh, I'm going to substitute railroad spikes with paper clips because, hey, they're both made out of metal. You know, I'm not going to do that. Um, in fact, I don't even think that would work. But um, there are many books, and in fact, in the 90s, there was a book called something like Office Magic, and it was an attempt to do something like that, taking common folkloric magical spells and making them be with post-its and paper clips. Um, but it was dead because, of course, there was no spirit in them. Why does a railroad spike have more spirit in it than... Uh, a paperclip. Paperclips come off a wire bending machine and they just get packed into a little box and there they go. Railroad spikes are driven 
into the ground, and they were, up until really recently, all driven by hand. Then they came along with spiking machines and things, but there are still spikes in the ground that are, I have some from 1912. I mean, you know, the rail is from 1912, the spikes are from 1912, that's what we got. They tear them up. Those carry all the weight of all those trains that ran over them, the people who made mm-hmm. and hammered them. They were forged out of iron. They have. You can't substitute something else for that. So I look at some of these old traditional things, not just counting herbs, but all types of things. Uh, when I talk about, often I will say on this show, I use a little brass bowl made in India, and those little brass bowls made in India kind of were very popular in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, but in the 1960s, they just took off. Everybody in America had these little brass bowls made in India. Now you can find them in Goodwill stores everywhere, very cheap, unless they sell them for the brass. Um, but everybody knows what they are, and they carry a certain amount of ritual. Why? They're handmade. <clears throat> They're not made by a machine. They're hand-engraved by people in India, each one with a little graving tool. They're more valuable than a stamped steel bowl from China that came out of a factory because some person put their heart into it. So no, I'm not a big believer in substitutions, even for things that look to be mass produced. I still Mm. would prefer the handmade alternative. I hope that answers your question, Dr. Sweets. Exactly. And also, too, it's about, like you said, all things, it's about the intent within us. Um, mm-hmm. you, you can do that with cooking even. There's a big difference than someone making bread from scratch mm-hmm. than going to the store and buying it. I mean, it's just that hands-on um, spiritual connection and transference. And, and, and that's what we're losing. And as elders, uh, which I... I look at Kat, myself, you know, women of our age are need to teach those that are going to become the elders. They they have existed since the beginning of man. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. with all of this um uh building and clearing of land and stuff the resources are going right along with it. And it's just important, I mean, to to try to preserve that, to, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just saddened by what I'm witnessing, you know, but I'm sure yeah. it's, well, it's, it's what been, I always say, take a, take a deep breath, you know, get your caffeine, uh, however you like to get it and carry on. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. Coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon, and on we go. <laughs> that's, that's it for me. Um, I I also um, want to say something uh, which Doc Murphy just sort of alluded to: endangered species, rare goods. Do we need if we're carrying on a tradition from another uh, continent? For instance, just as an example. Um, uh, David Borgi Shi wrote a wonderful book which we published under the Yippie Ironwood Institution imprint called North Asian Magic. And in it, he talks about the importance of using mares, the milk from female horses. This was a big shamanic thing out in Mongolia, you know. 
And, uh, of course, now they say, well, you can substitute cow milk, but it's so different than mares. Now, think of the difference. Ramona, you have horses. You know what I'm saying? The yes. difference of the energy of mare's milk versus cow's milk is intense. And yes. the mare's milk was used to, to in veneration in so, the same way that people might, uh, in Africa, they might use an alcoholic beverage to pour on the ground in a libation. In North Asia, they, they use a... Um, mare's milk, and then they also use vodka, which is their local alcohol. And, uh, I, you know, reading that and thinking about that, you can't say to people, yeah, hook up with your local boarding stable and get your mare's milk. <laughs> the whole culture was based somewhere else. So you do have to think about where are we now and what can we do that will, um, you know, substitute um, I'm finding myself um, very much coming up against the issue of endangered species, and not just endangered species of animals, ivory from elephants and so forth, a tiger claws, these types of things that were once very important. Tiger claws were not so important in hoodoo, but they were important in Asian magic. And thinking about what it means to inherit those and keep them in a museum setting or versus going and looking for them again. And Shiva and I have a museum, the Ironwood Institution Museum, which is boxes and boxes and boxes of artifacts used in magic from around the world. And anybody who's downsizing, somebody somebody up in the chat said, I'm downsizing now. <laughs> well, you can send them to Yippie. And uh, we'll we'll file them and keep them. Eventually, some museum is going to take them. We need to have a museum of all of these folkloric magical goods. We also collect and sell uh, books that we write and collect old books, but we also put out bibliographies of old books at the Yippie Institution. And that is another thing that anyone can do, help by scanning covers of books making the table of contents, sending it to me. We'll put it on the web. We want to keep information alive, not just through kind of old hippie herbalism, but also through modern librarianship and modern uh, bibliographizing. Also, just as another shout-out, if you're a psychic reader, clairvoyant, crystal gazer, tea leaf reader, send me your business card. I am making what seems to be the only collection of historical business cards of fortune tellers. Nobody's ever done it before. So there you go. We have to keep mm. these things alive. Um, um, Doc Murphy says, do I need an anthropologist? Yes, I do. And um, and it needs to be a volunteer anthropologist, I hate to tell you, because <laughs> they know money in, in preserving... Um, folk magic. There really isn't. I mean, you can make a book here and there, but the, there, it's not about the money. It's about the love of community, respect for the ancestors, and trying to bring them out. In my Patreon group, not to you know flog that, but I've been doing a lot of work around these old and particularly dead and particularly African-American readers and root workers bringing out their business cards, tracking down where they lived during the census report era, you know, just to see who they were and what they, what they, how they functioned in society. That's a form of spirituality, too. And Ramona started with that, honoring the ancestors. Honoring the ancestors 
is a way to connect with spirituality. Ain't that right? Right. And, you know, like the, sh- the shout uh, out, it, is, it opens a portal. I mean, it's, it's been proven. You know, the dance circle. And when they dance in that circle, shout and, and praise. Mm-hmm. And it opens a portal for the spirit of the ancestors, the Holy Spirit. And eventually someone is drawn into that, pulled into that, to mm-hmm. receive whatever it is that they... This is real, people. And, and, and this is part of this culture. And it needs to be preserved, especially... Now, you know, especially with AI coming, especially Mm -hmm. with the lack of human interaction, Um, it it needs all of these things need to be preserved and used. Yeah, don't get me started on AI journalism. I'm just going to throw those words out there and let Conjurman have a sardonic laugh. AI journalists, right? <laughs> right, Conjurman? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, Have yes. you seen it? Have you witnessed it? Holy Witnessed hell. the horror. <laughs> the horror, the horror. And people don't know the difference, except for that the wrong words are being used, but they have the same number of syllables, or maybe they start with the same letter. Who knows? Mm. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, there's, know, there's robots. Should, there's robots writing magazine articles now, even as we speak, and and it only shows if you have a vocabulary to catch those weird words, you know, yeah, like consistency for constancy. Like mm-hmm, how does that happen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all written by mm-hmm. AI. Um, just a little, a little. Of course, you know, I'm I'm John Henry. You know, here and um, I'm going to fight that steam drill till I die. <laughs> I'm going to keep on being a, a real writer with real fingers typing a real keyboard until I fall over, and then they'll just say, "Well, she was the last of her kind," I guess. <laughs> we should we should we should note here too, though, as, as there are a great deal. There's a need to preserve. There's a need to, to to recognize these kind of difficult times. There's also a great deal of optimism and hope that comes with moments like this. As I mentioned, you, we will see more and more people turn to spirituality, that there will be a sort of attempt to, to reground, recenter people as they're trying to come to terms with the fact that their world is changing and it's changing in weird and bizarre ways, right? Oh, brave, oh, brave new world, how strange are you, right? As Huxley mm-hmm. said. So people, we are going to see an, an openness, and I think all three of us have attested to this, that you will find more clients that, that in the past were not interested in spirituality but now are. The pandemic alone, being locked in the house, has turned people on to spirituality. I don't know the number of clients I've had that it's like, I never even considered this stuff until we were in the mm-hmm. pandemic. And now right. I'm interested in getting there, my chart read, or I want to look at the tarot, or I'm interested in learning about candle magic, the art of hoodoo candle magic. Here's your book, right? I'm like literally sitting there going, look, you've come at a great time. There's books, there's websites. Here you go. Welcome. The water is fine. Come on in. And the reality is that that's happening, that we are seeing a kind of great awakening occur in which more and more people are inclined towards spiritual practices. But for me, this also means that when I talk to these clients, my first and foremost is like, this is fantastic. You're interested in this stuff. 
first find out about your family. Find out about your family traditions. Find out about your cultural traditions. That doesn't mean you can only do the stuff that your family did. Of course, we are in a multicultural world, in a global world. You can find all these different connections. But learn to ground yourself in something familiar, right? What did your grandma teach you? What did her grandma teach her? See if you can find that first, but then allow yourself to explore in these kind of new ways. So we are living in exciting moments. We're going to see a whole new generations that are interested in spirituality in ways that we haven't seen since the 60s, I think. We're just whole waves of people who are going to be interested in spiritual practices, in divination, who are going to be interested in learning about magic. This is the reality of, of spirituality in our times. So I think there is some hope here. There is some positive that we can take away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Cousin Joshua says, I think folks have to begin to realize that they are the adults in the room. And I've had some clients be surprised by this realization in their 40s and 50s. Wait, I'm the adult in the room? Yes, honey, welcome to the future. (laughs) And Onyx Rose spoke about (laughs) urban herbalism. And I said, that's a book that needs to be written. And she said, there are actually a few out there. So, Onyx, I'd like it if you'd put the titles of any books on urban herbalism into the chat. That will be of use to those people who listen to the show later and read the chat logs. I'm very interested in urban beekeepers and other things mm-hmm. like that. I'm also very uh, aware of the fact that no spiritual practice can function well without a culture or society around it. And Ramona, you were talking about um, black song, black dance, um, and there's a a real, um, there are waves. In our lifetime, there have been waves of Everybody wanting it and everyone condemning it and everybody wanting it and everyone condemning it. You know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And this is kind of what Contraband was getting at, too, waves about spirituality, everybody wanting it, everybody laughing at it and condemning it and wanting it again. What we need are friendly people who will offer insight into their own cultures. This is one of the reasons why Mm -hmm. at at Yippie, when we publish books, the reason we published uh, David Shee's book on North Asian magic was I was doing a workshop on working with papers, and I said, you know, stupid me, I use these Chinese papers, and I don't even know what they say on them, but they're all covered with gold, and I just love them. And he raises his hand and goes, I can translate that for you. And I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, thank you for hijacking my class and telling me what's on these Chinese papers I've been using for 50 years, not knowing really what was on them. And he's reading out. And then I, before he sat down, I said, so you're writing a book on North Asian magic for us, right? And he goes, yeah, sure. <laughs> so everybody who has knowledge of their culture should be documenting and speaking for that culture. Speak to your elders, mm-hmm. learn. And if you're not a good writer, at least write a blog uh, just in your own words or use one of those um, voice to uh, text transcription things and then ask someone to go over it and clean it up a little bit. Everybody can be a writer now in this modern time and the information that you bring out may be important to someone. I was writing a book on 
Terrors of the Evil Eye Exposed. And the book was too short. It was an old book by Henri Gamache and it was or Anne Fleitman, and it was half the length it had to be, and so I was going to add things. And I thought, well, I'm going to look up and see what people do, you know, whatever. And I wandered into a word that Anne Fleitman had used, and I thought, I've never seen this word before except in this book. I looked the word up. I opened up not just India, where she mentioned the word was used. I opened up a whole dialogue on evil eye beliefs of Trinidad and Tobago that I knew nothing about, about Hindu people who had come to Trinidad during the British colonialist period. And I was like, whoa, the web has made so much knowledge possible. And, of course, I put those in the book. Um, I think that if you have some knowledge, what your grandmother did, uh, what your great-grandmother did, write it down, put it on the World Wide Web, use nice, common, searchable keywords, we will find it. And it won't be lost. Spirituality needs to be replicated. Right now, if you go on the web, what are you going to find? A lot of sports stories, some outer space exploration, a whole pile of kitten stories. I mean, just kitten stories, kitten stories just forever. And some puppy stories, too. But who's writing about folk magic? You can. You can write about folk magic, and you can pass along the things that were done in your family. That would be very helpful to the rest of the world who's looking for spirituality. Well, as wow. usual, I've backed everyone I into silence. <laughs> no, wow. I, I think I love the I, I love the call, I love the call for uh, translating, for writing down, for for uh, testifying, if you will. Uh, your family traditions, your cultural traditions, because that in of itself is also a way of grounding your spirituality, is through learning. I think people uh, assume that spirituality automatically means that you're lighting candles and saying prayers of invocations and summoning angels and demons and whatnot right off the bat. And the reality is that a good deal of spirituality is just searching. It's just figuring out what it is that your great-grandmother did. What was that thing she did every New Year's Eve? What was that? Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. what it is. It's writing that down. And the act of writing that down, the act of remembering that, is in of itself a very powerful spiritual act. It's what Mm -hmm. helps us reconnect. It's what helps us build our own personal traditions. And then, of course, we hand those traditions off to our great-grandchildren. I have a a book that I've been uh, pouring over. I'm going to pull it up. It's right next to my desk. I don't know what I'm going to do with this knowledge. It's called Weather Folklore by Swainson. It's uh, from 1873. A handbook of weather folklore by the Reverend C. Swainson, Vicar of Highhurst Wood. (laughs) This is page after page, hundreds of pages of just weather lore from all over Europe. The book is not in print, and I look at this thing and I'm like, my gosh, this is a treasure in this one little book. And I think this is what one of my missions is to do, is to keep this material alive. Well, there was our music, so... Thank you all, and um, let's take it away with our client and do some readings. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. 
and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic tantra practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. Our caller is Isabel, calling from area code 661. Isabel, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Welcome. According Thank to your you. submission, you indicated that you had no readings on this particular situation with our readers and guests today. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And Isabel writes, there's a guy I have been talking to since July, and he's amazing. I want to know if I should continue to see him or if this is something that isn't going to go anywhere. Turning it over to you, Ms. Cat. All right. Well, we're going to do two readings, then we're going to have root work advice. Before we do the first reading, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. What sign of the zodiac are you, Isabel? We're both Leos. Both Leos. Great. Okay. Two Leos. A pride of lions. And... Um, I guess with that, I'm going to turn this over to Contraman, and he's going to do your first reading. Thanks, uh, Ms. Cat. So a uh, real quick question there, Isabel. Uh, how long have you two been speaking with one another? Uh, since July. So we met in July, since... started talking around July. Okay, started talking about July, so a couple months. And uh, have you been physically intimate? No. No, you haven't been physically intimate. Okay. The reason I asked this, because I cast a horary chart, and the horary chart says, hmm, there's something going on with the physical connection of that. Now, is this because you two just live very far from each other, or you just haven't had the chance to hook up yet? Um, oh, spoken like a true Taurus. I know. She might have a religion that forbade it. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get to but the details of it. Oh, I love you, Contraman. Are you living too far apart, or you just haven't gotten around to it yet? Um, so on, on my end, I just feel like um, I want more of a commitment to make that step, uh-huh. but we do live far yeah. away. Okay, so here's here's the reason I, I ask these questions, <laughs> is that the, the um, physical aspect of this is going to be very, very important to determining whether this is going to survive as a relationship or not. I've pulled three cards, and I've got a horary chart in front of me, and both of them are saying the exact same thing. So the three cards are the four of swords, the nine of pentacles, and the seven of pentacles. These, this shows us where, in particular, you, you're looking at that nine of pentacles, that's you. You're looking for more commitment. You know what you want. This is a woman who's in the garden. She's resting her hand on the coin, but she's got a little falcon in her hand. That's the distance, right? There's some level of, you know, you're, there's communication, there's ongoing, but something hasn't manifested. But what is she being bookended by? The four of swords, which is delay, things being laid to rest things that haven't fully manifested, things that are kind of dead. And then the seven of pentacles, which is waiting for the harvest 
to come in. So these are all indications of some type of physical component that has been missing. So I'm like, okay, that's why we need to ask about the physical. The horror rereading is a serious issue. The, the sign that it represents you is uh, Aries. So when you cast a horror chart, you add, cast it for the moment the question is asked, and then you look at the ascendant, which represents the individual, and then you look at the house representing the question you're asking. So the figure that represents you or the sign that represents you is Aries. So we look to Mars. We go, okay, where is Mars? Oh, Mars is in Libra in its detriment, not in a good place. It's not in a positive place. It's out of its element. Not only is it in Libra, but it happens to be in the seventh house of relationships. So there isn't something that you desire. That's you, that's Aries moving into your partner's house, something that you desire, but you're not getting. So where is your partner? Your partner is in that seventh house, Libra. That's Venus. It's in uh, Scorpio right now also in its detriment. So here you have two people who are completely out of their element. Here's the key component of this. Not only is it in Scorpio, so there's some relationship, there is some genuine attraction. You're both in each other's sign, right? Mars is in the house of, of Venus, and Venus is in the house of Mars. There's definitely a connection. There's definitely some passion going on. But these are two places that are completely out of their element. Not only that, but Venus is moving away from Mars. It's breaking away. It's separating. So here's the thing that you need to be aware of. You have a small window. That window is going to last exactly one month. That's what this horror reading is telling you. If in the next month, that is exactly one month, you do not develop a physical connection with this person, that's not to say you should sleep with him before you get what you want. But that's to say that if the relationship does not progress to the point where you feel comfortable letting this person into your bed, then the relationship must be left behind. It's not, it's just the, not the right time for it. Things are not going to click. There is enough for you to have hope. You can do some magical work to kind of build around this, to build a relationship, to move towards it in the right direction. As of right now, what we're seeing is that there's a window. That window is closing, though. You have about a month before the window is fully closed. If in that month you are unable to get this person to commit to you, unable to see this person to enter into a position with like, all right, I see her as valuable. I want to be with her. I want to physically be with her. I want to commit to her. If you can't get it to that point, then the relationship needs to be left behind. So that's what I see here. There's delay. There's hesitation. There's a physical component that's been missing that you've confirmed for us. Thank you. And now the horror reading, reading is very clear. You are two people who are kind of at odds of what you want out of this relationship. There is still a window in order to fix that, to bring you both on the same page. If you let this window pass, though, the relationship's chances decrease dramatically. With that, I'm going to turn this over to my fellow Taurus, Ms. Kat, who's going to do your next reading. All right. What was your first card? I, I missed that. The Four of Swords. Four of Swords. Four, oh, my gosh. Oh. Yeah. Four of Swords, Nine of Pentacles, and Seven of Pentacles. Okay. That explains why you were saying was there a, spirit, uh, a physical relationship. Now I understand. It's sleeping. All right, exactly. I'm going to I'm going to use the tarot in a more conventional way. This is just a three card cut, and I have um, 
first card is the king of uh, wands. This is the king of fire. This could be your Leo guy. This man looks to the past. He looks to the left, and he's rather passive, and he is sometimes called steamy fire as opposed to dry, hot fire because he has salamanders as his emblems in addition to lions. And he's a person who has some issues from his past. This is not a tragedy. It's not necessarily a curse. Nothing big like that. But he himself compares new experiences against the past and, you know, tries to evaluate what's going on. Not a real active guy. Not a person who is um, pushing for commitment. The Oh, dear. Uh, Ramona is going to like this. The next card is the Ten of Swords. I'd like to hear... Wow. Right? So I'm going to reveal... Is it okay if I reveal just a tiny bit of this, Ramona, and why this is so important? Yes. So Ramona was going to do one of the readings, and I was going to do the root work, But before she got on the show and she was just preparing for the show, she did a reading on the client, this client that we would be having. And she pulled the Ten of Swords and she said, I don't feel like doing a reading with that as my card. And now I've got that card. No kidding. No fucking kidding. It just came out for me. So obviously this is a message that must be communicated to you, dear, and I'm so sorry because it's a rather negative card. Wow, I'm. this is one of those stunning chills-up-the-spine type moments. Just looking at it. The Ten of Swords shows a person stabbed in the back by ten swords, lying in a pool of blood by a beach and um, a, a lake or ocean bay, and the sun is coming up. Things will get better, but right now they're not going to be so good. I would be very cautious about this person. This doesn't mean he's going to kill you or do violence on you or anything like that, but it means there are backstabbers around. There used to be an old song by the OJs called The Backstabbers. They're smiling in your face. Um, This relationship has something going on in the background that you do not know about. Ramona saw it and decided that she wouldn't read for you and I decided, oh, I can brave anything and I got the card. So this is important. This relationship may not portend well because something is going on in the background you don't know about. It's the unknown unknown, to quote Donald Rumsfeld. The third card is just a very nice card of moving onward. I don't. I think that Ali hit it on the head when he said there's a one-month window of opportunity, and if this doesn't come to pass, move on. The card here is the Page of Pentacles, and this is mm-hmm. a, a young person receiving a gift of gold from heaven and turning toward the future. Her back is toward the back of the king of wands. This relationship is really going to produce the intense closeness you think it will. Give it all you've got, but don't squeeze it to death. She's holding that little coin and she's, um, you know, she's 
wants something, but she's not greedy for it. So, so take it easy. Take it easy. All right, let's go to um, Ramona. And uh, what do you suggest that our client do with this strange reading? I'm here. I'm. I would suggest that she do a rosemary infusion of power, um, mm. which is washing your hands with an infusion of rosemary. Magically empowers and enhances all healing. Uh, create this infusion by pouring boiling water over rosemary and allow it to cool, then strain. And this may be done immediately prior to the healing or the liquid may be bottled and refrigerated for later use. It, you can use this in a diagnostic spell. I would cleanse my hands in situations where you are encountering um, someone new or situations where you uh, need um, defining, uh, wash your hands and then touch a clear crystal stone and just let it infuse within you. And therefore, it will give you insight to those that you meet situations that you encounter, and it allows you to trust your instincts. And and that's the best advice that I can give you because, you know, the Holy Spirit embodies us the gift of discernment. And Mm -hmm. that is what you need at this point in time, and you need it to carry on throughout your life. And, you know, whatever will happen will happen. But the thing is, is to walk through this world with your eyes open. And and that's what I have to say. And I hope you understand what that's the message a, that's that I'm That's a giving. wonderful and so simple uh, spell work. There's another version of this that I was taught, which is um, also used um, with rosemary and water, and that is to take clear water and put um, rosemary in it. And when you light a candle in a room um, to clear the room or, or clean the room with Chinese wash or spritz Florida water or peace water, whatever, that you have rosemary in the room in that water. And... Then if you do your whole house, you go and you have a little bowl of rosemary in, in every room, a little saucer. And then you pour all those waters into a jar, and you put that in the refrigerator and use it later, just the same way that you were talking about. And yeah. so it's to clean your house rather than just clean yourself, but it's used the same way. And rosemary is very powerful for women. And if it can yeah. be rosemary that you grow by your own front door... That's the best, I was always told. If a woman grows rosemary by her front door or by her kitchen door, she has power in her house. She has strength and power in her own home. And 
many a house I've seen during my childhood that had a little bush of rosemary in front of it. And, of course, sometimes it was in the backyard by the kitchen. And people say, well, I just use that so I can go pluck rosemary because it's an evergreen. I can pluck rosemary and put it with chicken because rosemary just tastes very good with chicken. And you can make, you know, herb dressings for uh, salads with a little rosemary in it. So it's a very powerful herb. Interesting. Um, Do you have anything to add to this, Conjure Man? Yeah, I think rosemary is is great here. I would only recommend uh, bay as well. Uh, Bay is really Mm -hmm. good for clarity of the mind. You can also get clarity oil and King Solomon's wisdom oil for, for clarity here. Um, my my recommendation would be if you're going to do work on this person directly, a white skull candle is really useful here that you baptize in their name. Maybe you uh, put some bay leaf inside of it and speak to this white skull candle as if you were speaking to this person to get them to think what you want them to think, to get them to feel what you want them to feel. This will be really good and very useful for encouraging communication, encouraging him to see the relationship as you'd like him to see, encouraging him to commit, uh, but then also to act on that, to act on that commitment. Um, and if the white skull candle can't get through to him, then you've got your answer. So I, mm-hmm. I would recommend a white skull candle as an as a addition here to work. If you're doing work on yourself, that's fantastic and great. Um, and then also work directly on this person. That white skull candle is very useful here. But again, go at this with a very clear uh, deadline in mind. Give yourself about a month and say, oh, by this date, if this person is not with me, if we're not in a committed relationship, uh, then we're mo- I'm moving on. You don't want to cling on to this because I think this can lead to a sort of protracted pain. And that can also be the Ten of Swords can also speak to that. of like kind of just getting betrayed and backstabbed over and over again. So you do really want to set yourself a very clear deadline. By this date, we're going to be together. Do your work until then. Clarity and, and rosemary infusion and bay leaf for yourself, white skull candle for this person. And then if by that date you get him, fantastic. If not, Cut and clear and move on. Yeah, and I would also say by commitment, we don't mean that he's given you a promise ring or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, right. We're, right. we're talking that um, that he has said, I want to be with you and only you. Even if you haven't met the Taurus goal of having sex immediately, um, that there would be some sort of a statement from him within one month. So... This is a, and again, I'm just going to say that Ten of Swords is usually construed as a warning card. So I'll leave it at that. There's a warning there. And I hope my tarot buddies know what I'm talking about without me having to, you know, call out the fire department or, you know what I mean? (laughs) I think we all got it, all of us who know. Yeah. Right. Okay, Uh, next up, our network schedule announcement coming to you from the world of Kaladatronics, where everything is platinum. (laughs) 
The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Ramona Scott, of Ramona Speaks the Other Truth in Houston, Texas. Take it away, Ramona. Okay, so. You know, my free spell is the rosemary wash. And use this in this segment of the program for healing, for when someone is sick, um, when you yourself are not feeling that well. Like everyone has said before, it is a strong herb and easily attainable. And um, I have used it um, by dropping um, the actual rosemary into my animals' bowls so that it provides them with a natural antibiotic in their water bowl um, to give them. And I even give it to my horses, and I'll infuse uh, some rosemary water to drink myself when I feel like my... um, uh, antibodies are not working quite like I want them to. Um, with this, do I use a prayer or anything? Not all the time, uh, but when I'm using healing on a person, I just I just pray the Lord's prayer, and I add to it that um, for the Holy Spirit to endow this person's body with the tools necessary to speed up their recovery. And um, I think you'll find this water very useful in your day-to-day life, and, and that's what I have. And Cat or uh, man, you may add to this. Well, that's a very interesting thing to use the rosemary in the animal's water. I think that's a very powerful idea. I do want to say something about rosemary. Uh, rosemary is a member of the mint family. It's related to peppermint and spearmint and lavender and sage and pennyroyal and just a dozen or so fabulous mints. The mint family is known for the fact that there is no mint on earth anywhere that is poisonously toxic. Some families of plants have their poisonous ones and there are safe ones. Some are all poisonous or mostly poisonous. Mint is all safe. Mint protects itself not by making compounds that kill animals that eat it. All the mint family protects itself by making smells, which are alarming, shocking, a little bit much, to animals that might eat mint. Of course, there are animals that then adapt themselves to eating the mint. So rosemary doesn't taste like peppermint, but it is in the mint family. And like I said, sage is another. 
All of the mints have square stems, and when you crush them, they release a fragrance, characteristic of that species. Try it out. You'll soon be able to find mint. I think I always thought of mint as baby's first genus. That's a genus is a group in which species are organized. And all the species of mint fit into the mint genus. And it's baby's first genus. <laughs> so take, take a kid out and show them mint, all of the different mint. Rosemary is a little bit uncharacteristic in that its stems aren't quite as square except on the new growth, but it's a mint. All right, that's what I have to add. Um, what do you have to add, Conjuran? Just that there are a variety of different ways to make infusions. You can make infusions with water. You can make infusions with oil. Um, and so this this does require a little bit of knowledge of, of herbs, but also how herbs react to certain things. Um, mm -hmm. So play around. Uh, so, for example, rosemary-infused oil is something that I use a lot um, and, and is really easy to make. Um, but you can also infuse herbs with, with water. Um, and so pl play around with these different approaches. Some infusions require heat. Some require leaving the herb in the substance for a period of time. So there's different ways that you can create these infusions, uh, and there's different, they're used in different ways. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention catnip. That's also oh, yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's so many of them um that in that family and um well that's what i i think they all have use in um mm -hmm. hoodoo that the whole family of mints have a, have a use of uh, in in hoodoo i don't know if a single one that doesn't and that's sort of interesting um also one of the things about using waters, we talk about waters, um, and waters, um, nowadays, of course, everyone, you know, they want to buy oils, and that's fine. Oils are good. Uh, decoctions are in, made in water by boiling. Infusions are made by pouring boiling water some, over something but not boiling the liquid. And, mm -hmm. um, of course, there are tonics that are made by extraction in alcohol. The mint family, the whole mint family, and the mint genus, all of them, and Rosmarinus officinalis is rosemary, it's in the mint family, um, they do very well with water extraction. And so as you work with them, look them up. You go to Wikipedia and just look up the family and look what's in it. There's hundreds of them. And they're all medically active, they're all magically active, and they're all spiritually active. They all work for purity, cleanliness, and power. Um, really a, a, wonderful, uh, a wonderful group of plants. And they all make good teas, catnip tea, peppermint tea, and so forth. And don't be afraid of the Latin names. They change them all the time. Now they are the Lamiaceae. They just, you know, it's whatever. Um, the, you know, I was once told, I was once asked a a botanist at the University of California, how come these plants' Latin names change? And I thought that was supposed to be 
firm and forever. And he goes, well, botanists have a a biennial convention every two years in Amsterdam. And unless you have a plant to rename and a reason to rename it, they're not going to put you on a plane to Amsterdam. Oh, wow. (laughs) So that's why they changed their names. But the common names stay the same. All right. Thank you so much, Ramona. That was a really an interesting side trip down the uses of rosemary for different things, and yet yeah. very powerful plant used different ways. Um, all right. Well, let's turn this over to Doc Murphy, who's going to give us some announcements, and then we're all going to come back and chat a little bit and say goodbye. Thank you, Miss Kath and Conjurman. And thank you, Ramona Scott of Ramona Speaks the Other Truth in Houston, Texas for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest from AIR will be Miss Elvira of Elvira.com in Arkansas, bringing us the Oracle Hour topic of dream divination. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Guru Work Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forest Hill, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Doc Murphy, joining you from RootDocMurphy.com. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And the shows are available in archive via LuckyMojo.com slash RadioShow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Doc Murphy. And I hope things are better for you in COVID testing land. It's uh, pretty bad. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. You're, you're, you're doing God's work out there. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to be back with Elvira, part two of her dream series. We had a we're building dream palaces about lucid dreaming and wish dreaming. And now she's going to come back next week talking about dream divination. So this is an Oracle Hour. We need, yeah, you got to sign up, tell us what your dream is, write it down. And we'll get every dream interpreted that we can, even if five or ten people sign up. We'll do short dream interpretations. The more, the merrier. If you had a dream you want interpreted, sign up at the Lucky Mojo Forum. All right. I think that's it for today. So thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye.